So today's reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. Encouragement to be generous. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for the sakes Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. This is the reading for today. Thank you so much. Shall we pray for a moment? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you have something for each one of us. And we ask, Lord, that you'd help us to have ears to hear and hearts to respond. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, um, it's great to see you here this morning. And um, just to catch you up on uh, where we've been the last few weeks, a couple of weeks ago we had a Vision Sunday um, where I got a chance, I suppose, to share what I sense the Lord saying to us uh, as a church for the next season. And um, as I was reflecting on that, Matthew 6, 33 came to mind, and um, that's going to be our verse for the year, if you like. Our vision is seek first. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be given to you. Uh, and just a sense that there's an awful lot going on, isn't there? In our world at the moment, uh, in our lives, no doubt, there's a lot of noise that can occupy our time and energy. And the invitation I sense the Lord bring to us is to hand over those questions that we have about the future, our anxieties, our worries, to hand over those things to our Heavenly Father, knowing that he's good, that he can handle them, uh, acknowledging that we don't have to have all the answers. And in return, he invites us to one thing, one, simply, one simple thing, a beautiful thing, to seek the kingdom of God in each area of our lives. That's our vision uh, broadly speaking, for this year. And our vision for the church is that we want to be a hub for the kingdom of God in Sydenham and Forest Hill, seeing lives transformed and hope realised. And then last week we had a, a giving Sunday or a gift day uh, as a response to that. So our giving is towards our vision as a church to see the kingdom of God come. And I just want to take an opportunity to say thank you so much to those that responded uh, we've already raised over £11,000 in one-off gifts. 
Uh, a number of new people have joined the planned giving scheme. Uh, so thank you for your generosity in that. Uh, and if you haven't quite had a chance to respond or you weren't here last week, then there is an opportunity to do that this morning. And um, this morning really is, a, I guess, a completion of a mini-series that we're thinking about giving and, and generosity. And if you're new or visiting here this morning, then uh, please forgive me as this is uh, mainly directed towards church members, although the subject is relevant for everyone. And so what do I want to speak specifically on this morning? I want to speak on excelling at the gift of giving. I wonder if you've ever thought about giving like that from 2 Corinthians 8. So if you have a, a Bible or a, a phone, then can I encourage you to get 2 Corinthians 8 out open in front of you. We become uh, great at something or we excel at something. How? We, we excel at something through practice, don't we? We know that in many areas of life. One area that I've had to uh, excel in or grow in through practice is parallel parking. Uh, anyone else uh, know what I mean? Uh, so I grew up down in Dorset, uh, and to be honest, Dorset is full of countryside. Uh, there's not much need to be good at parallel parking uh, down there. And so the first time I learned how to do this great skill in life uh, was when I was living in Cambridge, training for ministry, and uh, I just recently got married to Lydia, and we were living in a, a terraced house uh, on a street that was absolutely packed full of cars. And so if you didn't know how to parallel park, you didn't park. And you'd spend most of your time just driving around Cambridge, really. That's, that was the other option. So I had to go for it. And uh, it was one of those kind of houses where you're really not going to expect to be able to park like outside your house. You're going to have to drive around or just find anywhere that you could. And so the first few times were quite stressful. Uh, it took up quite a lot of time, quite a few goes. You go in, you think, no, I've got the angle wrong, this isn't right. Uh, a few comments from my wife, which is never helpful, by the way. If you think it's helpful to comment on your partner's uh, driving, then I can tell you, just don't do it. It, is, it, it makes the whole situation even more stressful. Uh, and so after a while, I eventually got that skill, and then we, we moved. But we moved to London, so I needed parallel parking uh, in London. And here in South East London, living on Gainsford Road, is something that I do every day. And I'm even at the stage, I don't know if you do this, but you do a good parallel park, and you're just kind of waiting for people to applaud. Because <laughs> you're, just, you're just feeling happy with yourself. That is, it, it's happened so smoothly. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. But in life, we get good at something through practice, don't we? Whether that's football, parallel parking, playing the piano, uh, maybe over lockdown, making a sourdough loaf, gardening, I don't know what it might be for you. Malcolm Gladwell famously said it takes 10,000 hours of doing something to become an expert at it. It all comes through practice. And I begin with that because I think the same is true for giving and living generously. It's one of those things that the more we do, the more we lean in, into, the more we do it. It's like a muscle that grows stronger. And it's a muscle the Bible encourages us to grow so that we can look like Jesus and we can see the kingdom of God come. Jesus was someone who gave his life for others. No one else has done that in quite the same way as Jesus. He is our example as we think about generosity and giving. And this morning as we walk through 2 Corinthians 8, I hope to help us 
become people who can grow in this gift a little bit more, who give with hilarity and freedom, as the picture that is painted for us in the scriptures. So just to give a bit of a context for this passage, uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's encouraging them to give a gift, financial gift, to the church in Jerusalem. It's going to be an expression of unity. You've got a group of Gentile Christians giving to Jewish Christians. And what about this church? Well, Paul was the founding pastor. He planted the church several years before uh, 2 Corinthians was written, and the church had grown to several hundred strong and had a significant presence in the city. The city itself was a new city, only about 100 years old when the Apostle Paul arrived. It had a big reputation as a great city in the Roman Empire. And because it had this reputation, it attracted many people. It attracted entrepreneurs and new enterprises, those who wanted to make something of themselves, a little bit like London, I guess. Uh, Athletics and sport also thrived. Winning at whatever sphere of life it might be was celebrated. It was all about winning, being seen to be strong and big and powerful and influential. Climbing the ladder was a serious pastime for the Corinthian people. Being the best and being seen as successful was really important. So just listen to um, Paul when he says in verse 7, since you excel in many ways, what he's doing is he's almost feeding in to that desire to excel, to be good at things. Since you excel in everything, Paul says in verse 7, your faith, your gifted speakers, uh, the way that you uh, speak, you orate, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love, I want you to excel at this grace of giving. Paul is challenging them as a big and thriving church. You excel in lots of things and you're very pleased that you excel in these things because that's important to you as Corinthians. I want you to be famous and excel in generosity. How about just generosity as a key marker of an authentic Christian community? And I love this because he he brings with his challenge an example of the Macedonian church, a church that was doing well in the way Paul wanted the Corinthians to move in, in generosity. But by contrast, the Macedonian church was poor, it was small, and in its outward appearances, not massively successful. And they were going through many challenges and difficulties. But it's the Macedonian church that Paul celebrates because of their generosity. I wonder if you noticed verse 2. It says this in the NLT. They are being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy. Which has overflowed in rich generosity. So just... Take that concoction for a minute. There are many troubles that this church is facing, and today we face troubles of different kinds, don't we? We face the troubles to do with the pandemic and COVID as it kind of rolls on. We face troubles to do with what's going on in our world. Our own lives are filled of ups and downs. And then there's poverty. And, you know, it will be different for each one of us, but I'm aware we're going through a cost-of-living crisis at the moment. And yet there's this overflowing joy in Jesus. And that added together results in rich 
generosity. Paul wants this Corinthian church to know that it's not about the money. Generosity isn't about our circumstances, it isn't about our finances, it's all about our hearts and what it means for us personally relative to our own circumstances. Uh, The summer after university, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Vietnam for a a few weeks and um, it was a kind of trip where Christian students could go and meet Christian students there and we could share experiences and try and encourage each other, be a mutual blessing and we did a bit of evangelism together. And uh, we were staying in a cheap hotel in Ho Chi Minh City and each morning these Vietnamese students would come and pick us up on their mopeds. And I was 20 years old at the time, I just thought it was the best fun ever, just driving around Ho Chi Minh City, that's how you get around on these mopeds. It didn't seem to matter what side of the road that you uh, were driving on and uh, indication didn't seem to be a thing, it was just all about using the horn. Um, And uh, I remember this one day when the the students came and said, we're going to give you a lunch. And so they picked us up, we sat on the back of their bikes, we held on, we drove through Ho Chi Minh City out into the countryside because that's where they could afford to live. And we came to their home, we came to this room, and I remember looking around and there was, it was literally just one big room, there was a small sink in the corner. And they had gone to the market and they had bought an expensive fish, they'd bought rice, beautiful Vietnamese food, and they told us that they'd saved up for a month just to buy us that lunch. Normally they would live on rice most days. They didn't have a lot of money and we had this amazing meal together, we sang songs together, we shared stories. And that moment stuck in my mind. I was really touched by that extraordinary generosity that these students showed through this meal. Why did it touch me? Because it showed their hearts. Their hearts had been touched by Jesus and they wanted to extend that generosity to us. And the kind of generosity the Bible encourages us to walk in is all about our hearts. As 2 Samuel reminds us, man looks at the outside but the Lord looks at the hearts. And Jesus says exactly the same thing with the story of the widow's might we were looking at last week. The, the, the widow who gave in material terms, very little, gave the most because she gave out of her poverty, she gave out of her heart, where the rich were coming and throwing in large amounts just in a sense to show off or it wasn't a great proportion of what they had. So what can we learn from this Macedonian church as each of us uh, try to excel in this gift of giving, to take a step forward in generosity? The first thing I want to say is give yourself to the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord. That's what um, I see in this passage. Paul is celebrating the Macedonian Christians. They were materially poor. They had generous hearts. And in verse 5, Paul gives us that first key. Give yourself first to the Lord. He says this, the Macedonian church gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. In other words, they were wholehearted in their devotion to God and everything that they do flowed from that first devotion to God. It flowed from their love for God. Their generosity was a lifestyle and spilled into every area of life. 
And last week, I encouraged us to think about giving in three senses, three things that we've all got in life that, that we can do different things with. We've got our time. We've got the gift of time. What does it mean to give our time to the Lord? We've got our talents, our skills, our passions, our abilities. What does it mean to give our talents to the Lord? And we've got our treasure. We've got our finances. And the Macedonians had fully committed their lives to the Lord. Why? Because of what he had done for them. Our devotion to God always is a response. We love because he first loved us. It's not something we have to strive in or we have to kind of clench our fists and try really hard. And it all comes as a natural response to what God has done for us in Jesus. In verse 9, Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. That though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. And as I was preparing and just reflecting on this passage this week, I was reminded of a a hymn that we sometimes sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And as we go through that hymn, it's an invitation to look at the cross and to remind ourselves of the immense love of God for each one of us, that he went to the lengths of dying for us, that we might know life and freedom and healing and hope in our lives that we might never be alone, that we can walk with him. And then there's that final verse that particularly came to mind. And on a day like today, when we look out into the beauty of creation, it seems appropriate, as Isaac Watts writes, were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life and my all. It's the uh, author and speaker, uh, missionary Simon Gillibo, someone who himself has uh, reached out in Burundi uh, with the Great Great Lakes Outreach Charity and done so much uh, out of his experience of God's grace in his life. And when he speaks, he often uses this phrase, how much is too much for the one who gave this much? I find that a really helpful challenge. So there's this pattern that we see in the Macedonian church. First, they had an encounter with the grace of God. Then their hearts were changed. Naturally, they gave themselves to the Lord and their giving and their generosity came from that. This week, we um, celebrated the life of Sarah Diamond. And um, it was an amazing service. There's loads and loads of people here. The whole church was absolutely packed and it just was a tribute to the kind of person that she was and I had the privilege of just sharing a few words and I was kind of reflecting on some of the stories that I've heard of Sarah's life and um, this one word I guess came to mind it was the word service I was reminded how Jesus was the one who came not to be served but to serve And in a way, Sarah's life was marked by service in so many ways as she gave herself to this church, to her family, to the local community as she worked for Southwark Council for so many years. She poured out her life for others because she was someone who knew God's grace deep in her life. What an amazing example for us as a church. She gave herself first to the Lord. Might we do the same? And then the second thing that I I notice in this 
Macedonian church where their generosity comes from is it comes from joy. Give yourself to the Lord and give yourself to joy. Remember that concoction that they faced many troubles, that they were poor and yet they were filled with abundant joy which overflowed into rich generosity. It's like they couldn't help themselves. Uh, When I think of the word overflow, I think of a fountain just sprawling out water continually. That's the kind of picture that Paul wants us to have in our minds, that we have this great well of joy in Jesus, and it's just an amazing thing to be able to give away. It's a joyful thing. Giving can be fun. As Paul goes on to write in chapter 9, he continues his kind of argument to the Corinthians and says in verse 7, God loves a cheerful giver, not someone who gives out of duty or reluctantly. There's a sense of something natural coming from our joy in Jesus. And he says that as you do that, God will provide everything that you need. There's a freedom, a, a kind of relaxed state within you when we live in this way. We don't have to clench our fists and to worry about provision and holding on for things and will we be okay because we know that God is good and when you know that God is good it means we can live life with open hands. I wonder if there's someone who comes to mind who's just so generous with what they have. There's, there's always a sense of joy uh, with them. Uh, I think of um, my old boss who um, I worked with for about five, five and a half years, and um, he used to speak around the country a little bit, and as I was kind of learning my trades, as it were, and kind of learning how to be a pastor, he would say, why don't you come on a trip with me? And so, you know, we'd drive off to these different places, and he'd speak, and I'd sometimes do a bit of prayer ministry and carry his bags and, you know, that sort of thing. And um, I remember on one occasion, we went to Canterbury, and we drove to Canterbury on a Sunday night, and... um, he spoke, and uh, I joined in a little bit, um, did a few things, prayed for people. Um, but really, he was the one that was kind of speaking and, and doing, doing the, most of the work. I just went along for the ride. And um, we came, and we were coming back, and we stopped, and he bought me dinner. And then um, we got home, and, and I remember this clearly. He said, Ben, you've forgotten something as I got out of the car. And uh, he'd been given a very nice bottle of red wine as a gift for speaking. And he said, this is for you. And I said, I can't accept that. That's, that's yours. And he said, no, 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 you, you, you deserve it. I've got plenty. And it stuck with me because I thought, you know what? That's what I want to be like. That's what I want to be like when I'm older. It's not actually just what you see when someone's on the stage or speaking, but it's what they're like one-to-one personally. I want to be that kind of generous person. I want to excel at this gift of giving. And how do we start? Where does joy come from? Well, it comes from Jesus, of course. And I think one of the the main ways that we can grow in joy and simply knowing God's joy in our lives is by thankfulness, just by that discipline of being thankful each day for food on our table, for the beauty of this world, for carpet on the floor, for water coming out of our taps, for the different gifts that God gives us. Thankfulness leads to joy. So as I come into land, what's the result when this happens? When we give ourselves to the Lord, when we give ourselves to joy and we give ourselves away, what happens as we grow in this gift of 
giving. There's two, two things. Firstly, we get to be the answer to the prayers of others. The Jerusalem church would have been praying for help and the Macedonian church had the privilege of being part of the answer to those prayers for provision. And as I reflect on where we are, there's people in our community, they might not be Christians, but in a sense they are praying, they're looking for hope. And we can be part of the answer, introducing, introducing our local community to the hope that we have in Jesus as we reach out in different ways. And I spoke last week about our desire to reach out further with children's work and youth work and the number of young people we have within a stone's throw of this building. We want to be able to bring the hope of Jesus into our community in that way and also with um, marginalised in our community as well. We want to be able to reach further in the social action provision that we can offer and also introducing people not just so that they have a practical need, but we can introduce people to Jesus so that their lives can be transformed. And then secondly, we grow in our faith personally. It's not only that we make it a difference in the lives of others, but it's a step of faith when we give. It helps us stretch that muscle. It allows us to practice that gift of giving, and the more we do it, the better we become at it, and the more secure we become in God, and we learn to trust him and his goodness in our life. So how can we respond today? Well, in a moment, we're going to have a chance to pray. We're going to invite God's spirit to come because we, we can't do any of this on our own. Our vision is to see God's kingdom, and I'm so aware that, that actually, unless we walk in a posture of dependence on God's spirit, then none of this is going to happen but we partner with God and we bring what we have in our hands and we say, God, would you use that? And if you weren't here last week, you do have an opportunity to give financially today. And there are two ways that we're asking you to do that. The first big ask is to join the parish giving scheme if you haven't already. We're asking every member of the church to do this as a commitment to our vision. And um, there's a little postcard at the back that will explain how you can do that. You can simply go online. There's a QR code you can follow. And it would really help us if you could give a monthly commitment to the church. In terms of an amount, um, a biblical president is 10%. Uh, that's what Lydia and I start with. We look at our monthly income. We divide it by 10. That's where our giving starts. Maybe if you can't reach 10%, maybe 5% would be something you could do as a stepping stone. And then the second thing that um, we can do as a response in giving financially is we have a one-off gift campaign. And there are different ways, again, on that postcard. There's a, there's a table at the back there. We'll explain more. Uh, and you can give online. You can give through backs. You can give and check. It's all explained there. And what I'd love for you to do is just fill out a pledge form and pop it in the box there. And it's just a sign of responding today with what we might need to go away and do kind of practically later on. The Macedonian church are a great inspiration and example for us. They gave themselves to the Lord. They gave out of joy. And in that, they saw lives transformed and God's kingdom come. And that's what we're praying for in our local community. So let's stand and let's ask for God's spirit to come and to move our hearts.